and criticism expressed during the show are the opinions of the hosts, unless clearly identified as advertising. Put in your earbuds and fire up your taste buds. It's peanut butter and jams. Hi, Brenda. How's it going? Delightful, Jordy. And, uh... Time for peanut butter and jams. Yay! What have we got planned for the show? We've got some real exciting stuff. Uh, we've got Connor doing an interview with Anna from the UBC Farm. And uh, we've got a special guest coming in today, don't we? Yes, her name is Rhonda Weidman, and she's going to talk about her community garden plot. Okay, that's pretty cool. And we've got a lot of good music for this show. Good stuff. And um, I just want to point out, We've got Nacho News. It's a very special segment where Brenda's going to interview me about the newest Nacho update in the state of Vancouver's Nacho scene. He wouldn't tell me anything. This is a surprise interview. Yes. But uh, for now, let's put on some brand new Boogie Monster. This is Amelie.
And that was Boogie Monster, a uh, brand new song uh, by them. I got that uh, sent to me by one of the members to play, and it's pretty great. Keep an eye out for their new album. When it comes out, it's going to be really great. Uh, they are one of the best live bands that I've seen. There's just two of them, and they're really loud for just two people. Very loud. Um, lots of drumming. Lots of drumming. Tony is an incredible drummer. Uh, Tony Dallas, who is a drummer in uh, Boogie Monster, he just gets real sweaty and hits everything really, la- really loud. He drums in the SSRIs, too, and uh, apparently when they do their sound check, they have to uh, make the rest of the members of the band loud enough to <laughs> uh, match uh, Tony's drumming. That makes sense. Um. So this is Peanut Butter and Jams on CITR 101.9 FM Vancouver. And uh, we're going to play a piece on the UBC Farm next, correct? Yes, we had an intern called Connor Stewart Hunter from Gladstone Secondary. Not, not a Peanut Butter and Jams intern, although kind of, but yeah, a CITR right. intern. A CITR intern, and he was so lovely as to produce a piece for us for Peanut Butter and Jams. Um, he was quite uh, set up an interview, uh, decided what to cover, sh- took a Marantz digital recorder down to the UBC farm on the bus and brought this lovely piece back and, and edited it for us. Yeah, and uh, I haven't heard all of it, but it sounded pretty good from what I've, what I, the, the, co- the first the few first questions few. I heard pieces that we uh, previewed earlier this afternoon. Brenda, Brenda was the one who, who listened to it all. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, thank you so much, Connor, for putting this piece together, and I hope you all will be excited to hear a little more about the UBC Farm and what they do here on campus. And here we go. Hello, I'm Connor. Hello there, my name is Annalise, and I'm the Communications Coordinator at the UBC Farm. First question. A year ago, UBC proposed cutting down the farm size, and UBC Farm lobbied against that. What is uh, the state of that? Is farm size still a a risk to the UBC Farm? Um, So just a gentle correction. It was a few years ago when our land security status was in much greater threat. And about a year ago, UBC actually changed the designation of the UBC farm to Green Academic. And so even though Friends of the UBC farm had um, certainly preferred the term UBC farm as the new redesignation, Green Academic is far preferable to Future Housing Reserve, which was what, um, what had been the earlier designation. So it's certainly a signal by the university of a much greater commitment to the possibilities of the UBC farm and we're really happy to be able to move forward on a vision of what this place can be. How does the UBC farm integrate with students? How do you connect? Great question. Um, So we have a lot of curricular and co-curricular initiatives that students can get involved in. So that ranges from everything um, from courses from numerous different faculties where professors have sort of championed the farm as integral to their course. Or sometimes it can be something that is sort of a a field trip with a, a lesser commitment to doing things on the ground on a regular basis. We also have a very vibrant volunteer program, so students can get involved with children's learning programs, volunteering at the markets. Institute for Aboriginal Health has a wonderful project where people can learn about medicinal plants, all sorts of different ways to get involved with our volunteer program as well as community service learning. 
there's a lot of discussion about the new sub which is being built mm -hmm. uh, and it's talked to be about being sustainable is uh, UBC Farm at all involved in those discussions? Um, we have been involved somewhat tangentially through the discussions about the rooftop garden and it's great to see that Sprouts is going to be quite involved in um, what the rooftop garden looks like, what's grown, how it's grown, who it serves. And so we have a number of partnerships with um, campus food outlets that actually sell UBC Farm produce and they feature that on their menu so that it's an educational piece as well as just you know, the, the actual sustainability piece. So we look forward to continuing the relationships that we have with campus food outlets and, um, and chefs and food providers in the Student Union building as well as elsewhere on campus. How long has the UBC Farm been around? Well, there, there's a long history to it. In its current form, it's been here about 10 years. And so it's certainly evolved from something that started very much as a grassroots student volunteer-driven initiative to something that employs um, dozens of staff members and involves hundreds of participants from community organizations, from about eight of UBC's 11 faculties, and all sorts of community members who get involved with our workshops and our special events and um, our farm markets. All right, then within the past 10 years, what would you say the largest impact has been on, uh, on the student populace? On the student populace? Um, well, that's hard to say. I mean, I would almost consider the question the other way around because students are very much at the heart of the major transitions and exciting programs that have been initiated here. So we look forward to continuing to engage with students and really having it as sort of an active living laboratory. So rather than just learning about you know, business management, soil science, um, botany, birding, all those sorts of things, as well as the, the social sciences, so education, curriculum, everything really that encompasses what a sustainability community looks like. We, we look forward to having this place be a place where students can get engaged and, and really use it as sort of a, an experimental living laboratory where they can put their ideas into place. And what have uh, the students then gone on to do? Are there any uh, stories of them going on and creating more sustainable uh, farms? Well, there are dozens and dozens of stories, but one, I guess, that applies specifically to farming is through our practicum in sustainable agriculture. So we have an eight-month-long season, well, eight-month-long practicum in sustainable agriculture that uh, is very hands-on but also includes some classroom-based learning components and so I think more than half of the graduates of our program have gone on to um, to work in small-scale organic agriculture or urban agriculture or even edible landscaping initiatives within the province or elsewhere in Canada so that's been really really exciting to see. What would you like most to have other students in UBC who may not be fully aware of the farm what would you like them to know? What is the biggest feature that, that's important uh, for them to realize? I guess I would emphasize that the ways to get involved with the farm are not solely limited to sort of the stereotypical um, indentured labor, you know, picking weeds in the field, although that's a major part of um, our volunteer program, and a lot of people do like that, but there are lots of people for whom that doesn't really float their boat, and so... <laughs> Um, that's not the only way to get involved with the farm and our website's a great resource for learning about ways to get involved but um, this place is not limited to only that. Does the farm have any plans of expansion? 
Certainly, we're very excited about two capital projects that will enable us to respond better to the demand from the community, from the university for programs on site related to sustainability. And so the one that's um, most prominent at the moment is a new farm centre. So we have um, a lot of Aboriginal programming, children's programming, and as well as our core staff operations that are somewhat constrained by very out-of-date buildings. And so we're looking at building new farm centre and fundraising for it within um, the next couple of years. And after that, but in conjunction with that project, we're also looking at a sustainability residence which would be on site and which would accommodate scholars, um, student scholars who are dedicated to a particular vision of sustainability that encompasses not just food production but all aspects of of changing paradigms for how we can live better in a planet that's uh, struggling under the weight of all the people that we've populated it with. What kind of influence does the UBC Farm have on decisions made by UBC management? Well, we are certainly aligned in terms of our academic plan with UBC's Place in Promise, with the sustainability academic strategy, with the Aboriginal strategy, and so we've we've designed our academic plan such that it coincides in a way that um, is harmonious, but also... I mean, it, you know, it is meant to have bearing on what's, what UBC actually does in terms of sustainability applications. How popular is the UBC farm? <laughs> uh, we probably had about 50,000 visitors on site last year. And so that includes, you know, 2,500 to 3,000 students, all sorts of community members, lots of, uh, I think we have about four elementary schools who are involved in projects here as well as dozens and dozens of students from other elementary schools who come for school tours on a less frequent basis. Um, lots of children involved in summer camps, workshops, so it's, I would say it's a pretty hip happening place. Thank you very much, Annalise. Um, no problem. Um, I'm Connor Hunter, UBC Farm.
Cinco Cinco Wednesdays at the Cobalt. $5 cover, $5 draft, and $5 high balls. A weekly showcase of up-and-coming bands, artists, and DJs, where the artists get 100% of their ticket sales. For more information, visit thecobalt.ca.
playing on and on and on. Gosh, it's so loud. Man, I wish we had a safe place to play music. Yeah, and shows too. The Safe Amplification Site Society is a non-profit group dedicated to establishing a legal, affordable, all-ages venue for music and arts in Vancouver. For more information or to get involved, check out www.safeamp.org. Hi, welcome back. You are listening to Peanut Butter and Jams on CITR 101.9 FM. I'm Jordy. And I'm Brenda. And uh, what were we just listening to? We were just listening to Weed um, off of their new EP, Gun Control. It was track three, Ben's Tour. Yeah, great song. And we were just talking about when Weed played for Live at Lent, which is a noon hour concert series at UBC and how Hugo, who is now in the band... But was not at the time. Was not at the time, made his bandmates eat donuts Future live bandmates. on the air. Four donuts covered with whipped cream, and they looked so green they could barely finish their set. Now, was that four donuts, like they each ate a donut and there was four of them, or they each had to eat four donuts? Covered? No, there were four donuts on each plate. Ooh. Like, I would have had a donut, except that <laughs> Hugo put all the donuts on their plates. He wouldn't let you have a donut? Um, I think he actually bought two boxes, so we actually all got donuts, too. But you didn't get sick of donuts. No, we felt pretty good afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm quite impressed that they actually let Hugo join the band after that. The other thing is they maybe, only maybe, play... Maybe they let him join the band if he promised to never do it again. Maybe. Compelling. So compelling. Weed also only plays all ages shows, which tied really nicely into that public service announcement. Do we they just only played. play all ages shows? I did yeah. not know that. It's true. Huh. Cool. Huh. Yeah. So Safe Amp Society, if you want to help support a all ages venue in Vancouver, then you should give them money. Or your time. They also would probably like volunteers if you happen to be of that persuasion. It's true. And they do throw fundraisers around town, so go see some local bands. Um, before that, we had uh, Mac DeMarco, uh, formerly Mac DeMarco of Makeout Videotape um, from Vancouver, but he has moved across the country and is now in uh, Montreal. Uh, that song was called Blue Jean something. It was called Baby Wearing Blue Jeans. Baby Wearing Blue Jeans. I knew it had blue jeans in the title. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a pretty great song. Pretty great song. Pretty apt title. So, uh, the next thing we're going to do is the... Oh, this is my favorite part. The, is this your favorite part? <laughs> Drum roll. Drum roll. There we go. It is our recommended show of yes. the week. And the recommended show of the week is... This is actually not what I thought we were going to do. Uh, it's on Friday at the Biltmore. I like this part, but this is not my favorite part. This isn't your favorite part? This is not the part I thought is we were Is Nacho going. News your favorite Nacho part? Nacho News is my favorite part. <laughs> Let's do Nacho News first. It'll fit in. Okay, fine. Uh, Jordy, I don't know what you mean by Nacho News, but I'm pretty excited about this. So imagine the state of nachos in Vancouver. I've eaten a lot of nachos. And there has been a cataclysm, or well, maybe not cataclysmic, but there has been a game-changing event for nachos. Where are the best nachos, Brenda? Well, typically I would say foundation. Exactly. But it sounds like you have some rival nachos. No. 
I don't. The foundation has stepped up their nacho game. So the best nachos just got better. No. Um, so what happens is that n- now, I don't know how recently this happened because I haven't been, I hadn't been there for nachos in about three or four months. And I went that last weekend and, uh, now they have a nacho special option. So you can get the traditional nachos. You got your beans, you got your corn, you got your huge pile huge of pile. beans and corn and jalapenos. Or you can get the special nachos, which has, which they do different every day. And it's got different things on nachos. My nachos had yams. And jalapeno peppers, not your traditional um, foundation nacho ingredients, but surprisingly, yams are great on nachos. I never knew. So yeah, there's your. If you were thinking about going for nachos at the foundation, you just have another reason to do it. I think I need to do it this Saturday. Maybe this Saturday, or maybe this Friday, when you go to the part that you thought we were going to talk about, which is. The pairing. Oh, yeah. This is our <laughs> weekly pairing. Yes. And first see, you all, have to go see together. nachos. <laughs> yeah. Special nachos. Special so nachos. You can't order the regular nachos. Uh, well, you you can. I don't know what the special is going to be, maybe, but you have two choices of nachos. We're recommending that you go for the exciting surprise nachos. And rap. And rap music, right? right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they've got good local brews there, too. Um, but so on Friday, there are two great bands that I uh, know of playing at the Biltmore. Um, one is the Shilohs, who are opening for Tennis. Um, great out of towners. Uh, we're going to play a song by them in a second. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to play songs by both the Shilohs and Tennis, starting with Tennis. Starting, we'll do it in reverse order. So if you hear the songs, with you will hear Tennis and then. The Shilohs, but at the show you would hear the Shilohs and then Tennis. We're just trying to mix it up here. Yeah. <laughs> and the other band on the bill is called Wild Bell, and we don't really know. Oh wait, we have a song them. by them, don't we? No, that's the Bell Game, which is a oh, local okay. Vancouver band. Uh, sorry, different Bell. Yes. So that's our that's our weekly pairing is go to the Biltmore on Friday. Um, restaurants, if you want to get mentioned in our weekly pairing, I would suggest you move next to the Biltmore. <laughs> <laughs> because this seems to happen an awful lot. There are other events, but yes, that is certain, certainly an area that would help if you wanted to be on our pairings. If you, uh, restaurants or anyone wants to get in touch with us, uh, send us an email at uh, peanut butter and jams radio. Peanut butter and jams radio. Yes, peanut butter and jams radio at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, we, uh, we would read any email that was sent to us and. We would not necessarily read it on the air, but we would read it and consider any suggestions for the show. So if you uh, want us to cover anything in particular, um, that's probably the best way to get in touch with us unless you happen to see us on the street. Which is very possible. We do walk on the street sometimes. Yes. Not having cars, we do walk around. Pounding the pavements. A lot, yes. So uh, moving on. Moving on, we're going to play a track by Tennis, and the track is off the most recent album, Young and Old, and it's track four called Traveling.
Western Canada's largest independent music and arts festival, Sled Island, features over 200 bands, including Feist, The Hold Steady, Archers of Loaf, and Andrew W.K. Sled Island also features comedy, film, and art at multiple venues in Calgary, Alberta, from June 20th through the 23rd. Festival passes are on sale now at sledisland.com. Get your sled on. Welcome back. That you was are? the Shilohs. Yes, the Shilohs. Off of their new album, which uh, we found on Bandcamp, but I don't know if there's a physical version of this yet. The album is called uh, So Wild. And we just played the track Get Ready Now. Which is, well, this is, that's my favorite one. Is it your favorite one? Yes. Really? 
So we think tennis and the Shilohs are actually a very good programmatic fit, both bringing on the essence of past decades. Yes. Did that shut you up? Come on, wax well, eloquently. I, I can only say words that have uh, uh, three sills or less. Three syllables or less? Three sills, yes. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> hey. <laughs> Uh, Brenda is going to a potluck. And uh, Brenda, tell us about this potluck. Yeah, I'm going to a potluck. I'm actually hosting this potluck. And I decided that the theme should be crunchy. Crunch. You know. Yeah. A little sound effects there. So So you're uh, bringing some cereal then? It's it's really possible. I'm, I'm trying to think of some delightful treats to make. I suggested cracklins. Cracklings. Does everyone know what cracklings are? We've given them a chance to say yes or no now, so now we can tell the people who said no. Exactly. Jordy, yeah. Jordy is putting up his hand and going, oh, me, me, yes, me, me. Yes, that is exactly what I'm doing. I, my hands are waving all over the place. Jordy, uh, please tell me. Uh, so if you render lard um, from pig fat, what is what you will get is you'll get lard and you will get... Um, these bits of pork that are just kind of crunchy and brown and it's like they've been deep fried for like an hour but it's just the it's just like the bits that weren't fat turn into cracklins and they are delicious and crunchy is there a lot of fat still attached to the crunchling cracklings or are they just little crunchy pieces there is still fat like they're probably but i would but i would say now this is not scientific but i have heard that they are not any worse for you than potato chips no really that's what that's I'm Can you could, buy these, or do you have to make them? I have never seen them for sale anywhere, but you could make them. I have some pork fat at my house if you want to uh, borrow it. Really? Actually, um, yes. My friend's brother is in a band called The Crackling, mm-hmm. but it's not actually named after pig fat. Um, what is it named after, then? That's, what else is, is there? I don't know. The Crackling. I don't think so. Anyways, we should find this out, but um, a lot of uh, a lot of farmers on the prairies in the past have been eating cracklings. And Jordi, uh, so we're gonna play a song now, and we're gonna play a. Song. What are we gonna play, Brenda? That's a good question. It's a good question. We're gonna play a song. Is that with Wild, Wild Flag? Flag? Yep. And they are a band from Portlandia. Yes, from Portland. <laughs> no, and no. Well, I was saying that because Carrie Brownstein is, is also on that great show, Portlandia. It's true. Which I don't know if you can actually get it in Canada, but you can certainly find it on the internet. You can find it on the internet. And they do a great job. I've actually posted one or two video clips uh, from Portlandia on our Facebook page. Oh, which ones? There was a kitchen porn one, which was two cooks <laughs> posing for a photo shoot and like... Throwing liquids and flour on each other. It's pretty funny. And then they do also a great sketch about organic chicken. Oh, the, the is it local and they want to go meet it? Yeah, yeah so I, I highly recommend checking out those sketches, which are very food-related. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're going to play track one, Romance. 
if you want to see it live, actually, I think it's KXP has really good video mm-hmm. in studio performances, and you can see them playing this track. Cool. It's also a bit of a super group. Is Wild it? Flag, yeah, with Mary Timoney from the band Helium, and Carrie Brownstein was in... Sleater Kinney. Exactly, so it's definitely a female. Slater Kinney? Sleater Kinney? Sleater Kinney, yeah. Female pop supergroup. Yes, so here we go. And away we go.
that was Wild Flag. Uh, that was Wild Flag. And uh, we're going to play another song by someone who, if you can name, not who this per- band is, but if you can name who they are opening for in town, um, then we will give you tickets to that show. Are we going to tell them which band we're going to play right now? I don't know. That seems that seems like it'll take the challenge away. Okay, so we first- can give them. We can tell them a little bit. Do you want? Do you want to give them a little bit of help? Like we want to say what month it's in. Yeah, let's say which month. Yeah, it's it's May. In May, if yeah. you want to go see this concert in May, and I will tell you already that I'm going to be at this concert. So you're gonna hang out with Brenda. You can hang out with me. You can buy me a beer. You can buy Brenda a beer. She will let you do that. I know it's so great. Um, so yeah, uh, our number in the studio is six zero four eight two 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 four eight seven. So that's six zero four U B C C I T R. And yes, the first caller to call in with the name of the band who this band is opening for. You can uh, just give us the whole bill. Oh, you can give us the whole bill. The whole bill's fine. Um, we'll win tickets to see the whole bill, and it is worth it. So if you you should look into it. It's going to be you, great. If you know the band. A great show. All right, start the song. Let's do it. Okay, let's do it.
p.m. for The City, an hour dedicated to critical discussions of urban issues on CITR 101.9 FM and streaming live at citr.ca. For more information, visit the show's website at thecityfm.wordpress.com.
trap that drunk window smoker, tied and drooling, flapped and stunk pillows, stroked my hand, pooling must be peas, strapped or hung that fellow, broke my grand stool dust, he sees stung or wallowed, hope or glands, ruled my lust, sees stopping wrist or heaving clots and lists, nor seizing crap that bunk indoor broken ride and fooling this is john m bennett and you are listening to citr fm 101.9 in vancouver british columbia canada so welcome back that was the John M. Bennett station promo. And um, before that, nobody knew the answer that the Dum Dum Girls were opening for Kurt Vile. Um, I can't believe you didn't know. No one will be buying Brenda a drink <laughs> that night, and she will go home sober. It will be sad. It will be sad, but you should go to the show because Kurt Vile, who we played afterwards... The song Jesus Fever off the new album Smoke Ring for My Halo is fantastic, and you should be there. Okay, uh, we have a special guest in the studio now. Um, Should we turn her mic on? Yeah, let's do that. (laughs) Hello, Rhonda. Welcome to the show. Hello, Brenda. Hello, Jordy. Hi, thanks for coming. Yeah, no worries. Great, so we're going to talk to you a bit about community gardens. What can you tell us about? <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm a, I'm a member in a brand new community garden um, here in Vancouver. It's the Mount Pleasant Community Garden at Ontario and 15th. Um, so those of you who know that neighborhood, there was an old uh, community center there that got torn down. The, the city's been doing a lot of redevelopment on that site, but there's a brand new community garden there that we just opened up about two weeks ago. I live near there, and Do you? I stole some dirt from there. You did? Do you know how much we paid opened, for that dirt? Before it, it was, oh, okay, not the not, no, not the, the nice dirt. dirt. Yeah, yeah, that's fine then. You stole the city's dirt. I stole the city saying. dirt for yeah. my spider plants. No Jordy. problem. So, like, how did this garden come in to be? The city just said, "Here, take it." Or how how does citizens rally to to garden on public land? It's a lot of work, is the short answer to your question. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wasn't involved in the um, the planning process for the garden and the working with the city to get approval for it and stuff. Um, but it took a long time and uh, a lot of convincing. So I can tell you there's 30 or 31 plots in our garden, and there's about 80 people on the waiting list. So there's way more oh, interesting wow. gardens than there is available space. So I think if you want to be in a community garden, what you need to do is um, call the city as often as you can and uh, tell them how important you think it is for your neighborhood. Nice. Is, what if they say there already is a community garden? You live next to the Mount Pleasant Community Garden Center. Yeah. Then you uh, tell them. Garden. Yeah. yeah. Then you then you tell them. Uh, look, there's an 80 person waiting list at the Mount Pleasant Community Garden, mm-hmm. and you know we're in because we're a new garden. We don't know how quickly the turnover will be will happen, but um, presumably not very fast. Yeah. At, at at the quickest, it'll be like four months. 
not even. I mean, people are in over. for yeah for a season. Everyone's generally. in for at least a season. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So if you, uh, I searched Community Gardens Vancouver, mm-hmm. and you pull up a site on the city of Vancouver, and there's a little section on how to join, and they've got a whole list of all the community gardens in the city and the contact emails yep. of, I, I guess, the citizens. They look like private private people's email addresses, Yep. or at least communal garden email addresses and then you can email and see but it it sounds like it's uh pretty hard to get one it is yep i feel pretty lucky to have one are we on there is mount pleasant on there tough to yes, say yes mount pleasant eighth and fraser nope. no well something still to do yep that's right yeah <laughs> so this is a new this is the first season this garden was there it is we don't even have the water hooked up yet have you had a plot before no, in a different I haven't. Place? No, no. So, how did you find out about this particular garden? Uh, well, I've been freeloading off my friend Greg's garden. Greg had a a, a garden in the Eighth and Fraser um, garden, and uh, they've moved to a different neighborhood. So he found out uh, he's an architect, and so is sort of in the know with the city. And he found out that there was going to be a garden at the Fifteenth and Ontario site, and um, he knew who to get in touch with to get on the waiting list. So that's how I got involved. And was it citizens calling up the city and saying, we think there should be a garden plot here? Or was it the city trying to open more garden plots up? I think it was, um, again, I wasn't too involved in that process, but I think it was opportunistic. The city was redeveloping the site anyway, and I'm not sure if they had a vision for a garden being a part of that site. Um, But yeah, it's been in the works for a couple of years. Yeah, it was where the pool was. That's right. Yep, the outdoor pool. The paddling pool. I don't remember there being any paddling. (laughs) No, there's no paddling. Mostly just the under sixes cannonballing. Nice. So uh, what are you intending to plant in your garden, Rhonda? Intending? Have already planted, Brenda. What is in growth? So two weeks ago, I I put the first seeds in, which was really exciting. Um, So what have I put in? Onions, radishes, uh, carrots. I think it's dicey. The carrots are dicey. I might have to redo them. Um, Kale, Swiss chard, spinach, arugula. um, And that's about a third of my plot. So I still have two thirds of it left to fill. Oh, you have a lot of space. Yep. So most of the plots in this garden are 80 square feet, four Mm. by 20. Mine's a little bit smaller, which is fine because it's just me. So it suits me fine to have a little bit less space. How much work do you expect it will take throughout the summer and rest of the spring yeah i think it'll be you know a couple hours a week for sure once things really start growing and the sun like reliably starts shining you know for more than two hours at a time we'll need to be out there watering Mm -hmm. yeah so i expect to be up there a couple times a week how did you decide what uh vegetables to plant did you do that by talking to other people or did you do your own research on the internet some of both um and that's one of the really neat things about the community garden i'm a farm kid but i'm a farm kid from ontario so i don't know the Mm -hmm. bc landscape and the bc growing season so well so i have some friends who garden but there's also um a real wealth of knowledge uh within the other people who have plots in the garden Mm -hmm. so it's been neat to get out there and get talking with people as they're working in their gardens and like oh what do you have there and when do you plant it and how do you plant it and what do you plant it next to and all those sorts of things it um it's a conversation starter in a way that um is sometimes tough for us to find Mm -hmm. in in sort of modern modern urban life 
Is this garden protected from people who want to steal your produce? No, it's not. So uh, if I understand properly, one of the city rules is that you cannot have the garden like fenced off and padlocked. It's part of a public site. It needs to be and it is you know, legally considered public space. So one of the really neat things that's happening with our garden is um, we have a garden member who's gotten really into uh, dwarf trees. And so we're putting up a dwarf, probably apple tree fence mm-hmm. on two, two sides of the garden, which will, you know, function as a kind of four foot fence like structure, but won't keep people out. You're not going to so, have like a, are you going to have like a garden hood watch? Yeah, well, it depends if the tomatoes start to go missing. I think that the pitchforks will come out if the if the tomatoes start to walk. And what about <laughs> wildlife? How much? How many wildlife creatures do you think might be? Yeah, what if there's raccoons into that your uh, develop a taste for radishes or something? Yeah, I think the biggest concern right now is dogs uh, coming through. People taking their dogs out for a walk and dogs tearing through the. You garden. are right next to a dog park. Yep, exactly. Um, Do you expect the dogs to eat fresh produce, or would they no, just sort of go? We expect in them to poop in it and dig you know dig it and tear through it. Yep. Okay. But you know that's part of being in a public space, I guess, and to some extent, we're just going to have to deal with it. I, I don't. Guess there aren't a lot of deer seen in parks in Vancouver. I don't think so. No, there's other cities. Van- there's not deer. In- they kind of like creep out of parks and stuff. They get hit by cars too fast. There's no deer in this part. Yeah. That this deep into the city. I yeah. wonder about the skunks. There are skunks. But yeah, and I'm not sure what skunks are into eating, but mm-hmm. if they're into green things, they're going to like my garden a lot. So what about height? Is there any height restrictions on how tall you can plant your bean poles? Or Good question. Uh, and I have no idea. <laughs> if your sunflowers grow seven feet tall, you're out. I don't know. Um, but I think there has been, you know, some general discussion about um, the person in the westmost plot. It would be sort of disrespectful to your neighbors to plant stuff that grew eight feet tall and blocked all of your neighbors sunlight. Right. I guess you've got to think about uh, the space that you're sharing. with people. Yeah. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how that all pans out. OK. Are there any rules about pesticides or different? Yep. It's inputs? an all organic garden. OK. Yeah. So there are no pesticides. Yeah. But you can get natural natural bug repellents and stuff like that. Do those count? Good question. Another question I don't know the answer okay. to. Yeah. I also don't know a lot of a lot about gardening. Yeah. Um if you uh if you don't mind me asking, how much does it cost to have a plot? It's cheap. Um, we pay in our garden. We pay a thirty dollar annual fee. Oh, that's not yeah. too bad. And then you know, because it's the first year, we're sort of working some of this stuff out. But um, what does that include? It that basically gives you access to your plot, right? And all of the, um, you know, the so water. So you're providing your own dirt and the water. The dirt's there. So right. we um, there's actually a lot of community organizations that support um, community gardens, and so mm-hmm. we got a lot of grant money to that helped pay for the soil, which was not the soil that you stole because soil's actually <laughs> expensive. Yeah. Um, the the soil I sow had bits of rocks and yeah, lawn in fine. it. Yeah, that's fine. You're so, wel- you're welcome yeah. to that stuff then. Uh, but we also built rate be- raised beds, so we needed to buy a lot of lumber, mm-hmm. and so we were able to pay for most of that through grant money from the city. Uh, we got a community grant from. 
um, Yardworks, which is the company we got mm-hmm. our soil from, and you know a number of other places. So that was fantastic. So the thirty bucks a year will go towards ongoing costs, mm-hmm. and then you know there will probably be um, times where we'll want to get a load of compost delivered in the spring, and we'll each pay ten bucks if we want compost for right. our garden. You know, you guys won't have a compost on site. Then yeah, I know that we, some of the community gardens do. We do, um, but in the you know compost or manure or something like that that mm-hmm. will get delivered in spring. So I think there will be times when we pay you know some access for things like that if someone happened to live next door and didn't have a compost in their yard could they drop their compost off in your community garden yeah in fact i do that i live one block from the garden at fraser and eighth mm-hmm. and i take all my compost there brenda you should take your compost there too because you live close i i would but we have a compost in our backyard even better <laughs> yeah it's true but better than your war- yard waste container yeah better to put it into the earth mm-hmm. yeah and support community agriculture. Will when will you be expecting your first uh, crops? Well, would it be the radishes? I don't know. I have never grown radishes. I'm a bit of a novice they with radishes. Um, the greens are already coming up, mm-hmm. um, and so early greens will be a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, I started a few things that I'll tra- that, that are on my patio right now that I'll transplant too. So some of those things have a bit of a head start. But yeah, I think it'll be the greens, the Swiss chard, the spinach, um, the arugula. Those will probably be the first things. Great. Yeah. Did you plan out your garden to have a staggered crop? Um, sort of, yeah. So I planted some Swiss chard at one end and then I'll start some at the other end uh, you know, a few weeks from now so that I've got a constant stream. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And are you worried at all about the bees? The bees? No. Bugs, maybe, like worms. Okay. Um, do we want to go for go to a song for a bit and uh, then come back and we'll ask Rondo a few more questions? Yeah, sure. That sounds great. We've got something lined up. It's the Bell Game. The Bell Game. They're local. They are a local band. And the track is called I Wish You Weren't Like... Oh, boy, I have to scroll on my computer wish you were dead, wasn't it? I or wish you weren't like a dead, dead lover sometimes. Sometimes. I guess they like it. I guess so. Uh, off the album Sleep to Grow. So, here you go.
Become a friend of CITR and get great discounts in the Commercial Drive area at Audio Pile, Bone Rattle Music, High Life Records, and the People's Co-op Bookstore. It pays to be a friend of CITR. To learn more, come visit us in room 233 of the sub on UBC campus or check us out online at citr.ca. And we're back. Uh, that was uh, CITR's own Chris Horrific on his new uh, his new album Bible Beats. That song was called Witch. Oh, sorry, I can't remember. Brenda, what was the name of that song? The name of the song was Christian Witch. Christian Witch. Yes. We'll let you draw your own conclusions. And Rhonda. I hear you have a good story about dirt. Yeah. (laughs) Brenda was telling me. Yeah, so um, we had the the soil delivered to the garden about a month ago now. It was, no, no, it was more than that. It was in February. Um, 
And it was like the pouringest day of all of February, which is saying a lot for February in Vancouver. And they delivered 60 tons of soil on a Friday night. That is a lot of soil. Yeah. And so... Just uh, to get a visual image, how big is a pile like that? Um, so... You know, it was two trucks basically, like, right. two, like two pickup trucks or two. No, two like full de- one full delivery truck and then like an extra trailer hitched on the back oh, of wow. said truck. So this is like the size of a small <clears throat> house. Yeah, yeah. Maybe not. That might be a slight exaggeration, but <laughs> I a had small, to meet a really small, a house. really small house. Yeah, a <laughs> Vancouver-sized house. Or something. Um, so I had to meet the guy who was delivering the soil on a Friday afternoon. And then the deal was we had permission from the city to have road space to get the dirt dumped onto um, until the following day. So we had to have it all cleaned up by sort of Sunday um, mm-hmm. afternoon. Um, but it was totally pouring. So I met the guy, came around the corner, and there was this huge long truck. And so we had to sort of figure out where he could back the truck into. And it had, you know, the hydraulic hoist to raise the front of the... Um, so it could all dump out. Yeah, to dump out all the soil. And there's a lot of uh, hydro lines, of course, on either side of the road. So he was dumping the soil, and I thought for sure he's going to hit a hydro line. But, you know, it seems he may have done this once or twice before. He didn't hit the hydro line. But then it was pouring rain, and our soil was starting to wash away down the street and completely block drainage it was on a bit of a hill so there was a water backlog yeah so we were we were causing a flood on the street anyway then the um trusty gardeners showed up friday night and we had it all moved by saturday morning at about 11 um and then i think we all spent sunday how long did you guys spend moving we spent probably four hours running wheelbarrows of dirt so shoveling dirt from the giant pile into the wheelbarrow wheelbarrowing loads into the garden dumping and then doing the whole thing again in reverse covered in dirt were you at the end of it yeah we were pretty messy yeah and i think all of us spent sunday like in the tub soaking in epsom salts and (laughs) taking a lot of advil (laughs) one likes to think one's in decent shape but all it takes is a bit of shoveling to teach you otherwise (laughs) but it got done and you felt those triceps that's right yep I skipped the gym for a few days. You should Thanks. see her arms. Yeah. They're gigantic now. Yeah. <laughs> Huge. <laughs> Huge. Triceps. Radio doesn't do it justice. <laughs> no bicep. Yeah. Um, so we are about to wrap up the show. Thank you so much for coming down. Yeah, no um, maybe we could have you back on the air once the growing season is done. Sure. I'll give come us back a, and a recap of, of what happened. Happy to. Report on all the vegetables and all the things you turned them into. Mm-hmm. Maybe, are you planning to do some canning? Is there enough? Uh, probably not canning. Lots of pesto making, nice. I expect. Yeah. Um, but yeah, probably not Lots canning. Lots of basil then? Lots of basil. Yeah. yeah nice. Well, um, Brenda, it, it, what's coming up next? Well, we're going to play a public service announcement. All right. Well, let's do that. Uh, Darren Golly of Stereoscopic Readout is not in. Um, so instead of Darren... You will be regaled with... A podcast. A podcast. Of Darren. Past Darren. Exactly. Darren in the past. And then you'll see Darren in the future next week. Uh, We're going to play a PSA, and after that we'll play a track off Team Mint 20. And uh, the band is Young and Sexy, and the track is called The City You Live In Is Ugly. In addition to being Young and Sexy, the band is called Young and Sexy. Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> it is true. Uh, they uh, it starts with great city noises that 
Jordy thinks is the Canby Street Bridge. I don't think it's the Canby Street Bridge. It sounds like a SkyTrain station. Well, the SkyTrain station. We got confused among our transportation. But uh, we'll let Bridge, you... SkyTrain. We'll let you make your own decision when you listen to the crack. So thank you so much for listening. This is Peanut Butter and Dams on CITR 101.9 FM. Hey everyone, this will just take a minute. Um, introducing Serious Issues. Tuesday, March 20th at the Waldorf Hotel in the Tiki Bar. From 8 p.m. to late, Serious Issues is a party for young people interested in serious issues and partying. Featuring drinking, dancing, and short multimedia talks on creative actions by people from Adbusters, LeadNow.ca, Desmog Blog, and Stuff Harper Did. Cover is cheap. Tickets are available at the door or through Eventbrite.ca. RSVP on Facebook to Serious Issues. And with DJs Camdales and Cameron Reed, the party is sure to be seriously good. That's all. You can get back to the serious dinner stuff. Thanks. Thank you.
And we're having a little bit of technical difficulties with Darren's... With Ghost Darren. Oh, there we go. No? It was on for a second, Brenda. Really? Yes. You couldn't hear it because you didn't have your headset on. Skip ahead a bit. There we go. 